Hello and welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain podcast. I am your host, Radu Palamaryu, Managing Director of Elkid Global. Our mission is to connect the supply chain ecosystem by bringing forward the most interesting leaders in the industry. And it is my pleasure to have with us today Christopher Logan. He is currently a Managing Director at Accenture and leads the freight and logistics practice across growth markets, Asia-Pacific, Middle East and Africa, as well as Latin America. He is collaborating with clients and with fellow Accenture consultants to drive innovation and digitalization in freight and logistics businesses as the industry undergoes a once-in-a-generation transformation. Across his 25 years plus career, he has worked on global logistics and transport businesses, strategy consulting, global trade, emerging markets, as well as exploration and mining companies. He is an active participant in the World Economic Forum activities and was also selected as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader in 2008. Christopher, thanks a lot for making the time and a real pleasure to have you with us today. Radu, it's a pleasure to be here and, and thanks for having me. Uh, and I want to start with the hot topic of, uh, well, everybody's lives pretty much at the, at the current, in the current situation, which is uh, COVID-19 and the current crisis that we are experiencing. And um, obviously it's impact on supply chains. So maybe let's start with what's your view on where we are today, how we got here and also what's next. Excellent, excellent. Uh, today is a really interesting time to be in the logistics industry uh, because the, the industry was probably one of the first to be impacted by COVID-19. Uh, as many of your listeners would know, the impact started all the way back in January as, as Hubei province in China entered a full lockdown. And as the world's largest production economy and the largest logistics network, it basically ground to a halt uh, during Chinese New Year and for several weeks thereafter. Uh, then the logistics companies in China and those international firms working in China had to work heroically to restart an entire country's logistics supply chain system. And uh, ultimately, they got the system back up to 70 or 90 percent capacity in early March, which was a, a phenomenal uh, achievement. And for a time, uh, people thought, well, that might be the worst of it uh, from a logistics point of view. However, in uh, mid to late March, COVID-19 went global and uh, logistics challenges also hit global. So we've had capacity constraints everywhere uh, around the world, uh, although not as acute as they were in China, but they were in pretty much every major industrialized country in the world. And the logistics companies then had to pivot and continue to work heroically, but all over the world to keep freight moving despite these challenges. Um, and also, at, as you know, right about that time, the working from home became the norm for, for almost everybody except for those people who are physically handling the freight. And that's still where we are today. Um, the, there is a third wave that is just beginning and is going to last for quite a long time, unfortunately. And this is around the demand shocks that are going through the, the global economy right now. Uh, you've got the lockdowns, which are limiting uh, consumer demand and industrial demand all over the world. And that is likely to, uh, to continue to be lower than normal even after the lockdowns get lifted, although we don't know exactly when that's going to be or how long those uh, the lower economic activity is going to last. That lower 
freight revenue or freight volume and freight revenue is going to put even more pressure on logistics companies over the next 6, 12, 18 months. So there's a lot of negative going on in, in the logistics business that, that we're having to deal with. Um, but despite all the chaos, there have been a few positive bits of news for logistics providers. Uh, home delivery and last mile logistics are seeing huge growth, and we can talk a little bit more about that. And there are a few customer segments that have seen large growth, like grocery and um, emergency air freight for medical supplies. So uh, there's a lot of transition. And you know, in, in that context, uh, I think you know, companies have got a lot of challenges of what, what do you do now uh, to, to deal with these things? And then what do you do next to make sure you're prepared for uh, what's going to happen in the, in the future? I wanted to actually dig a little bit deeper um, because indeed it's, it's, it's literally unprecedented what we are experiencing. We've never seen such a crisis in our lifetime with the shock uh, in supply and now in demand uh, in such a short period of time, right? So it's, uh, I mean, we've seen other crises, but it hasn't been as abrupt to uh, leading to half the world population being in lockdown and the consequences of, uh, you know, uh, demand that uh, drop that generated from that. How, as a logistics company, or what would be the priorities that you would advise your clients from logistics, from freight forwarding, and so on, to focus on during this time where most likely they will suffer uh, cash flow issues, they will suffer client demand issues? What should they look at and focus on to make sure that the business uh, maintains a certain level of continuity and, and is emerges out of this in a good shape? I don't know if good shape is the right word, but emerges out of this crisis. Uh, uh, well, it, that's a great question. And I think you're, you're exactly right. They need to focus on what do you do now to keep the business viable? And then what do you do next to respond to the, the bigger changes and position yourself for the future? So in terms of what to do now, uh, most of the logistics companies, uh, certainly the larger ones, are are already on top of this. And there's really four big elements. The The first one is to uh, create a response center and to have your um, business continuity plans and to be able to execute those in in a coordinated way, either centrally or decentralized, but under uh, very specific guidance uh, from a single plan. So that's point number one. Point number two is all these companies need to implement widespread measures to ensure the safety of your frontline workers. So even as some logistics companies uh, are not... A, directly touching the freight, many of them are, and many of them are still out in the general public. There are deemed essential services pretty much everywhere around the world. And so the safety of your frontline workers has to be your top priority. Uh, the third area that's uh, important for the, the people who are not on the front line, but the people who've got the capability to, to work from home, is you need to provide a uh, a set of capabilities and norms to allow them to be productive uh, working from home because this is uh, absolutely essential to keeping your business moving. Uh, and then the last thing, which is is probably the, the end result of those three plus uh, a little bit more, is you need to ensure that the freight keeps moving. Uh, there are huge challenges with air freight capacity and uh, ocean freight uh, capacity in different ways. And we can talk more about that in a few minutes. Uh, but number one, you need to keep the freight moving because what you do as a logistics company and what you do as the employee of a logistics company 
really matters because you're the ones who are getting goods on the shelves uh, for the rest of the world. And, and you are an essential service and you need to keep working heroically to, to keep all, all of the rest of us um, uh, able to, uh, to continue our lives. Mm. And wanted to also linking it back to the areas where it, it grew. And, and you mentioned e-commerce, you mentioned deliveries, you mentioned this type of pockets, specifically linked to obviously people being at home and ordering, ordering stuff uh, online, groceries and essentials. Um, I was reading even today a very good initiative in Singapore uh, itself where the taxi company, uh, Comfort Delgro is a taxi company here in Singapore, will be doing grocery deliveries uh, together with an e-commerce, online uh, e-commerce supermarket. Um, this, are, this type of activities are happening in other parts of the world, USA and, and, and so on. How do you see this? Um, maybe, maybe let's also focus on the positive and how some of these companies have paired up, have, have done last mile together, some of the creative ideas that have come out of that from, from your clients as well, and maybe you can share some case studies. That's an excellent case study. And as you said, that's also going on in many other parts of the world. So the, the trend is, is interesting because e-commerce and uh, grocery delivery in particular are growing enormously right now because a large percentage of people are, are working from home and have got some restrictions on their mobility even beyond that. Uh, so those are trends that we had seen over the last five to 10 years, but they've dramatically accelerated now. And uh, our expectation is that they will stay, maybe not at the levels that they are today, but much higher levels than they were two months ago, uh, when even when the lockdown uh, gets taken off. So the, the, the trend is, is clear and has accelerated. Um, the response uh, across the board has been twofold. One is the existing e-commerce players, uh, mainly the, the large players in, in, who are headquartered in China, but who've got operations throughout Asia, and e-commerce players in the U.S. who operate uh, also uh, in other regions uh, have been doing a, a great job scaling up their own resources to, to deal with the, the surge in last mile delivery. Other players have had to get more creative. And the example you used around a taxi company doing uh, home delivery of groceries is, is a great one. We're seeing that in a lot of other places. So the recommendation that we have for, for our clients, uh, almost regardless of where they sit, in the logistics value chain is, is you need to rethink your last mile and you need to get more creative about that. And it, it's part of it is responding to the, the demands and the opportunities that exist today. But many of these uh, opportunities will also exist six months from now, 12 months from now, two years from now. And uh, that doesn't mean you need to build up your own home delivery network uh, and there are some great opportunities to partner with uh, some either traditional last mile delivery carriers, some non-traditional, uh, like the example you used with taxi companies, or some uh, emerging startups who have been uh, focused on last mile delivery for the last number of years, but have not uh, necessarily found the, the huge growth quite yet. So the flexibility around your network models on last mile delivery is, is going to be a really key success factor for, uh, for most logistics companies going forward, even ones who have not traditionally been involved in B2C home delivery. You'll find that many more of them are, are getting involved right now. I, 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 need to, I need to ask you on this one because my impression um, um, is that 
most most traditional 3PLs, for lack of a better word, um, are are lagging behind when it comes to or are, are doing nothing actually uh, in in a lot of cases when it comes to e-commerce, when it comes to uh, last month even uh, when it comes to uh, uh, on the delivery side. How do you and and there's also the re the reality that that not almost nobody has cracked the the million dollar question how do you make money out of it right there's there's very little margin uh, in it by itself also how do you see this moving forward and and you mentioned that some of them are are going more aggressively into it uh, i'd love to to go a little bit more deeper and maybe with some examples uh, of of what you've seen done by 3pls in in general in in going and maybe f also accelerating this process of of becoming more uh, flexible and adapting their models to to e-commerce? That's a great question. We, we tend to see three different models that companies have followed. And some people who've been sitting on the sidelines, and I think the time for sitting on the sidelines is over. Uh, so one model is for companies, whether they're e-commerce companies or logistics companies, to invest in their own delivery networks. And obviously for the large express companies, they already have delivery networks. For other companies, they've got the, the opportunity to build them. Some e-commerce players have decided to build their own. Um, some logistics providers uh, also have the, the potential to, to build their own. And that is a path that uh, you, know, you need to decide on and then, and then commit to. Uh, the, the second area is potentially to uh, is to partner and to work with existing uh, last mile delivery specialist. You'll see a number of those uh, in whether it's in Asia or, or, or Europe or in the US, um, companies that are focused on only on last mile delivery and providing those services. So traditionally, a lot of logistics companies have seen them as uh, either competitors or, or something that, that they didn't want to deal with. We're seeing uh, increasing talk of partnerships and I, I would believe that that's going to continue beyond the, the current opportunity and those will be more long lasting partnerships uh, going forward. Uh, or, or the last one is, is similar where you're working on a more technology based uh, tapping into the, the gig economy and, and creating a last mile delivery network um, with more independent contractors and whether you do that yourself or you partner with somebody who's got the technology to do that. Uh, but that's a, a, another approach. Uh, or you could sit it out completely, um, which is, is probably a less desirable option because e-commerce has traditionally been the fastest part of the, the fastest growing part of the logistics business. And that's only going to accelerate. Mm. Would you see also this crisis impacting the digitalization of the logistics industry? I mean, we there's been a lot of talk, um, digital freight forwarders, you know, Flexport, Freight Hub, Zen Cargo, Freight, uh, uh, freight Toss as well. Uh, there's a few of them, right? So um, uh, versus the the more let's say the more established three uh, PLs, how how do you how do you see this this aspect? I, I fully agree. This is definitely going to accelerate the digitization or digitalization of the logistics industry. And, and that'll happen on multiple levels. So one, as you mentioned, these uh, startups that have really come into being really only in the last five years, uh, 
that will accelerate their business models. Uh, however, the incumbents have, many of them, uh, many of the large ones have already started the process of digitalizing their own business models and that needs to accelerate. Uh, and those that accelerate this process will likely end up being the, the winners several years out. Uh, whereas those who decide that this is the time to trim costs and cut back on their transformation efforts uh, will, will lag behind and will, will find themselves in a worse competitive position in, in the next number of years. Um, I, I think in terms of digitalization, in the future, we're going to look back and we'll see this as an inflection point. And, and not that COVID-19 caused any of this, but it, it could be seen as the, 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 the before and after in terms of the, the full emotional commitment to becoming a data-driven company. And, and I think there's a, there's a fundamental difference in mindset between, say, the e-commerce companies or the digital freight companies that you mentioned who, who view themselves as, as data companies supported by, by people versus many of the more traditional companies see themselves as people companies supported by data and technology. And, and I think that that paradigm um, needs to shift. And, and perhaps this is the event that, that shifts that mindset for a lot of people. Mm. I am going to share this because you might have, uh, you might have seen it as well. Uh, it was circulating on social media. The, um, it was a tick box uh, question and, and four different uh, answers. And the question was what helped the most in the digital transformation of your company? Answer A, the CEO, X, answer B, the CTO, answer C, uh, agile teams, answer D, COVID-19 crisis <laughs> and, uh, and with a big tick on the COVID-19 crisis and uh, it's without a doubt uh, there's the number I mean one of the biggest challenges that people face right now that you don't know where is my stuff in supply chain where's my where's my goods uh, how do I plan how you know how do I even make sense of my supply chain how much should I order how much uh, demand do I have do I have any demand? Do I have any supply? All of this is, is and how do, you, do I manage my workforce on the other hand, right? Which is, by the way, all, all of them, uh, the office side at least, working at home and, and the frontliners are, are working in the ports and how do I ensure their safety? So all these things, um, as you rightfully said, I, I would completely agree as well. This inflection, it's just going to accelerate the, the whole um, push for digital. And I think we, you cannot do it without it anyways. Um, and I, on this point, I wanted to ask specifically for technologies and, and new practices from a tech perspective that you've seen maybe deployed around these times to um, uh, either give businesses visibility in their supply chain better, if, if you can even predictability. I don't think you can predict a lot, but um, you know, in terms of uh, what to do in this situation, have, have you seen any that, that struck you? Have, have there any good examples of, of uh, tech being uh, used um, in supply chain in this crisis that you can mention? Well, I think overall, the, the technology that the e-commerce companies have put in place over the last number of years uh, is really showing its value right now. And I think that, that they're the, the big winners out of this. And a big part was because they've got the technology to uh, to accept orders uh, seamlessly from 
customers and to link that to a logistic system, either that they control or that uh, they're tightly linked to, to get cost efficient uh, delivery to end consumers with a high level of visibility. So th their, their technology is, was really made for this type of a situation. And uh, although they'd been gaining market share for years and years and years, this is perhaps their, their breakthrough moment. Uh, and uh, a, a number of the more traditional companies are starting to look to those technologies and, and trying to understand in more depth, well, what is it that the, the e-commerce players are doing uh, and what is it that, that we can do to emulate some of that, even if we're not going to become an e-commerce player, but how do we become a, a technology-first, data-first company? And uh, it and it really links to your your previous point about the you know the tick boxes and and you know COVID nineteen being a big driver of change. Uh, the the way we see it is that uh, you know change management is hard. Uh, change management is uh, exceptionally hard when you're dealing with logistics companies who've been around for literally hundreds of years in in many cases. Uh, and what uh, times of crisis do is it it unlocks uh, at least half of the change management, uh, which is getting people to understand that there is a, a need, strong need to change. Uh, and uh, when the crisis unlocks that, it actually opens up possibilities for firms to do things uh, that they knew that they needed to do, but were just uh, too hard to do internally. And, and we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of, we're having a lot of conversations with clients around what do you do next? And, and what does that look like? Uh, given that we've got the, uh, you know, the, the mandate for change and the openness to change from the, the staff that might not have existed even uh, a couple of months ago. Mm. This, is, this is a great point. Um, and also as a, as a leader, as a CEO of a company, I guess now it's a time where you need to be resilient uh, on one side. You need to be focused on the, on the fundamentals, on cash flow and all of that. But at the same time, you need to balance the employees, how they're feeling, because obviously most people would feel insecure in these times. And also the, um, this, this type of balance is very, is very uh, sensitive. I guess the question is, would you have any advice, you know, for the executives of the companies more on the soft skills and, and communication and uh, I guess uh, that side of how do you maintain the ship and how do you inspire and lead the people in these times? Yeah, it's a really important point. And I, th I think this also shows the, the leaders. Uh, there's, a, there's a saying that, you know, character is not built in crisis, but character is revealed in times of crisis. And leadership is is absolutely critical right now. Uh, we believe that a, a lot of responsible leadership uh, involves two parts. It's it's the the head and the heart, and it's understanding what needs to be done and being rational about the the current situation and what what plans need to be put in place and how they need to be executed. And marrying that with the, the human side of the equation and being able to show empathy, compassion, and, and caring. And, and ultimately, it comes together in, in one word, uh, I would say, and that's, and that's trust. And that senior leadership, uh, the CEO, but also the, the broader leadership team needs to focus on engendering trust 
from their their uh, company. And, and the way to do that is to, to lead both with the, the rational side and explain to people what's going on and what the company is is going to do in this environment, uh, but then also lead with uh, with compassion and caring, and understanding the human element and 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 understanding how disruptive this is and stressful this is on on each and every person in 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 their in their sphere, because it's it's a it's a double disruption. It's the disruption. Uh, actually, sorry, it's a triple disruption. It's a it, it's a disruption of their their day to day working practices, which the employer would probably have a good understanding of. But it's also a disruption in terms of their day to day living, uh, working from home with their 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 spouse, their children, um, and that creates a whole new dynamic and new stressors that uh, we need to be mindful of and empathetic about. And then there's the the health crisis itself. I mean, as the the, the numbers keep going up, more and more of us uh, know people who are directly impacted. Um, or our say frontline healthcare workers who are involved in the middle of this and and all of those things build up stress and and good leaders uh, understand that and uh, deal with that head on and have discussions around that uh, and then and then the last piece is is uh, you know you continue to follow the the good practices of of communication, uh, making sure that it's it's frequent, making sure that it's empathetic, making sure that uh, that people know where to go uh, when there are issues, and that that you support them uh, when there there are issues, and and we'll you know we'll know in hindsight the the leaders and the the companies that are, are are able to execute on on all of those things it's it's a challenge but uh, we've seen many companies uh, step up to that challenge and that's uh, that's good to see mm. and I know that you have uh, or, or in, in doing a bit of um, a bit of research and preparing for the interview uh, we stumbled across um, one suggestion that you have in terms of simple and clear communication uh, I think you was you were saying about a rule of ten times 10 times 10 and maybe you can share a little bit about that yeah i think that that's that's a great example of best practices in communication that you um, y- y- you need to repeat uh, messages in in many different ways from many different sources uh, whether they're you know written verbal um, video uh, so that people will understand and not not just understand but will retain it and internalize um, what what you're you're trying to get across um, a lot of the details will get lost and that's okay because people if you've got a a robust structure people can can go back and get the details but i think the the key thing is is around building that trust and making sure that 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 resonates and and that does take um, the, uh, the 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 repetition from many different sources in many different ways Mm. I I, uh, I must uh, share on a personal note. I'm quite an impatient uh, <laughs> person myself, and a lot of times I I uh, I find uh, or I, I would love uh, the team or our team uh, to to pick up things uh, faster. And and your uh, this this rule of saying ten saying something ten times in ten different ways for people to retain ten percent 
it really got to me because that's that's when I realized like yeah you know uh, that's that's probably a much more realistic approach uh, to to or much more realistic also expectations to have to have on on the team and also making sure that uh, ourselves as leaders you know put in the the, the the effort to 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 do it right so I I must personally thank you for that it it kind of struck a, a somewhere a chord with me uh, for sure that's great. Um, so if you were to put yourself in the position, and this is kind of a summary, if you may, of all our conversation now. So if you were uh, right now, Christopher, running, a, if you were the CEO of a global logistics company and, and with, with all that we have discussed, but if you were to, dis- and, and all this, the clients that you're talking to, but if you were to distill it to maximum three things that you would focus on in terms of making sure that in 12 months, the company you know, would be in a good position to, uh, after this crisis, because hopefully in 12 months, this crisis will be gone. What would those three things be? That's a great question. And and that's exactly what we spend most of our time doing, uh, speaking with global CEOs and understanding what it is they they need to be doing now. Uh, and, and more importantly, as you're asking, w- what do you do next? And by next, I mean, you start today to be uh, ready for the very short-term future. So the three things would be, number one, um, accelerate your current plans. Uh, Most of these companies already had plans and initiatives in place to modernize their companies in different ways. Uh, Those are probably almost all still valid, but you need to accelerate the most important ones. And I'll I'll give you two quick examples of those. One is around automation of physical processes and facilities. Uh, That is something that's been ongoing, particularly in the higher labor cost environments for for quite some time. And uh, that needs to not only continue, but it needs to accelerate as, as people understand that physical when you've got physical processes mixed with uh, labor and then you've got social distancing requirements, that doesn't mix. And so uh, you don't have to go to a fully automated hub or a fully automated warehouse, but increasing the amount of automation that you do have uh, combined with your your labor force will allow you the flexibility to continue to operate in scenarios like this. And, And so that resilience needs to be put into your business cases around automation and you'll find that that in in many cases that will push push you over the edge to to say all right well even more a greater share of our facilities worldwide are um, uh, amenable to automation or partial automation because of that new consideration so there's a there'll be a big acceleration in that the second area of acceleration is the modernization of IT systems. Many logistics providers are still operating on uh, very old uh, IT systems that they are modernizing either in, you know, you know, in a big bang new system or in smaller incremental improvements. Uh, that needs to continue, but that needs to accelerate. Um, I think that that companies who are operating on the old systems have found that they're not quite so flexible and are, are really inhibiting their ability to, to fully work in a virtual environment. And uh, the, the companies that, that accelerate their, their IT modernization will, will come out winners in this. Those that decide they're gonna slow down or cut back on new investments, I think are, are, are gonna struggle 18, 24 months from now uh, when they, they see what their competitors have done. So, so number one is really accelerate your current, your current plans. Uh, 
Number two, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but it's, it's around implementing new digital ideas and frameworks. So uh, focusing around the data first and around what data do we have? How do we decouple that from our, our operations? How do we link with the data that is upstream and downstream from us? And, and how do we actually generate value from that data and improve our, our, our operations? That it includes you know, machine learning and dashboards. And there's lots of other things that you can do with that once you, you, you take a data-focused view on the company. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a fundamentally different view on the company than, than most uh, have. Mm. Uh, the third area, you said I have three, the third area uh, of what people need to do next is uh, you know, rethink your networks. And this is absolutely critical. We already talked about the rebuilding the last mile through uh, collaboration or, or other things. So I think rethinking your last mile is, is super important. Um, the other area would be to um, adapt your network and services, uh, not just to what the needs are today of your customers, but what are they gonna look like uh, tomorrow and the day after? And by tomorrow and the day after, I mean, when the economy's come out of lockdown, how are your customers going to be gearing up their operations? And you're gonna get some, some wild swings in demand and you know the bullwhip effect all the way through the supply chain and you need to be ready for that from a from a network perspective and and so working with your clients to understand what their plans are for restart is absolutely critical and then tomorrow in the in the medium term a lot of your clients are going to be restructuring their supply chains um, they will be looking at where they've got um, you know, single source points of risk that will be looking at building in flexibility into their supply chain, not just efficiency. And that means logistics providers are going to have to adapt to, to those new demands. And so now's the time to be anticipating those demands and to start orienting your networks um, around that. Uh, and, then, and then the third one, I just love to, in terms of the, the network, new network idea, the one bright spot that we're seeing is, is actually China. So I would say look to China. You know, from an economy point of view, it's, it's getting back on track. From a production point of view, it's getting back on track. Uh, they're currently suffering from uh, lack of demand as, as most retail in the rest of the world is, is shut down. But if you, if you just look at, at how they've responded to the health crisis and how they've responded to the economy, it, it's looking like they are going to be getting back to normal faster than anyone else. And they uh, could potentially lead us uh, out of the economic recovery as well. So if you're a logistics company that has exposure to China, um, I would say double down on China because that's going to be your, your area of growth for the for the next little while. Mm, mm. Super, no, excellent, excellent points. On that note, Christopher, I want to thank you for your time. Um, very insightful and relevant uh, sharing. And um, you know, hopefully, this crisis will be gone uh, sooner rather than later. And for sure, lots of learnings and lots of lots of case studies and lots of discussions uh, in MBA classes will be done on this uh, COVID nineteen uh, in retrospect. Um, and um, yeah, thanks again for your time and for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, just to, to reiterate, I think it's what logistics companies do now is going to be uh, critical for how they come out of this in the next two to five years. So what happens in the next 
six months is pivotal to the, the whole industry. For sure, for sure. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to go to www.elcotglobal.com and click the podcast button for all the show notes of the interview. Also, subscribe to our mailing list to get our latest updates first. If you're listening through a streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, we would appreciate a kind review. Five star works best to keep us going and our production team happy. And of course, share it with your friends. I'm most active on LinkedIn, so do feel free to follow me. And if you have any suggestions on what, what to do and who to invite next, don't hesitate to drop me a note. And if you're looking to hire top executives in supply chain or transform your business, of course, contact us as well to find out how we can help.